have rarely in my life been so hostile immediately upon upon awakening. I woke up today and I was just furious for no reason. And I just finished my cycle. So this is not like PMS. This is just like, I don't even know. I don't even know. It's like, mm, 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 mm. I just, just, honestly, honestly, I'm such a foul mood. I probably should not be on my podcast because I'm liable to say something that'll hurt somebody's feelings. Um, be extremely offensive. So just, if if you're delicate, you might not want to listen to this podcast. I'm just saying. Also, <clears throat> um, <clears throat> I came precariously close to naming this podcast The Pussification of Tony Dinozo. Because I've been reading lately in the NCIS fandom because I was going to, I'm writing Tony, um, Steve, um, um, and, uh, I wanted to see what the, what the flavor was, because I hadn't really read a lot of NCIS beyond Lady Holder and Jilly, um, and I deeply regretted my life choices. I deeply regret this. And what I want to know, but I don't expect an answer because I'm not actually going to let anybody who does this on the air anyway. Um, Here's the thing. Why the fuck do writers' characters in a pathetic and weak position? There is a difference between being emotionally vulnerable and pathetic. There is a difference between being emotionally damaged and pathetic. And if you don't know the difference, then don't try to write it. I'm I'm so fucking serious. I'm really so fucking serious. It for the love of Tom Hiddleston, will you stop making grown men cry like little, spoiled, rotten girls? Grown men don't do this. Are you paying attention? They don't. Don't do this. Is it, you know, you cry when a parent dies or when you lose your favorite pet. You don't constantly boo-hoo and cry over your life every fucking day. No adult does this in a healthy circumstance. You gotta fucking stop. And if you want to write Tony as a girl, you write Tony as a girl, but she better be a fucking badass, okay? I am... (sighs) Why? Why? Why do you do this? Why? Why? Explain that to me. I just, I mean, I don't really want an answer. Um, I'm just bitching. Um, 
This is one of those moments when it can't be fixed, so I don't need my try to fix it for me. I just don't understand. I don't understand that um, um, that people uh, don't quite grasp the difference between being emotionally vulnerable and a pussy. Yeah, I said it. Is that misogynistic? Probably. It's definitely sexist and offensive. And pussy's great, and I don't mean the actual pussy or even a cat. I mean weak and pathetic. You know, the really offensive meaning of pussy. Um, and I, I'm not sorry. I am not sorry. I am so- Tony Blair. Someone said Spike and Buffy the Vampire Slayer gets treated that way. Um, I, Spencer in um, Criminal Minds. Oh, God. I can't even imagine. I cannot even fucking imagine. Um, I just want to stab people. Not literally. Maybe literally. Maybe maybe I do. Maybe I do want to stab people. That's why I need to stay in my house. Because um, I just don't. I don't. Why do you. Why do you write that shit? But I also don't know why people write rape stories either. But okay, you know, I mean, rape recovery is one thing. Explicit sexual assault for gratification is another, and I don't understand it. I don't understand why you do it. Um, Sometimes people get placed in an emotionally vulnerable situation, and they do have a breakdown. But this does not fucking happen every moment of their goddamn life, okay? It is not a continuous circumstance. So why on earth would you take a fictional character and turn them into fucking Niagara Falls? I can't even. I can't. I don't even, I don't get it. In other amazing, awesome news, Lady Holder put out a new book today called Making It Work, and both of her men are not pussies. They're awesome, and it's great. It's fantastic. I highly recommend you read it. I'll put a link on um, my uh, webpage when it hits Amazon. And stuff when there's actually links to give. You can go to the publisher, Cobblestone Hyphen Press, and get it now. And I highly encourage you to buy from the publisher because authors always get more money from the sale when you publish when you when you buy directly from the publisher. That's pretty much a given because they aren't sharing that money with distributors like Amazon and you know whatever Nook. Um, they're not sharing the the money with the distributor, so the author gets a bigger cut of the uh, of the price. Um, I noticed that on my own statements, um, very much a long time ago. And Lady Holder put a link in the chat room, and um, I will put a link in the description of the show as well. Uh, super awesome, highly recommend it. Um, this is her fourth book, Lady Holder. Is this your fourth book? Let me put you on the air. This is your fourth book? Yes. Boy, okay. am I glad I'm not eating dinner anymore. Yeah, it's the fourth <laughs> book. Yeah. Very happy with this one. And it was um, it was actually a lot of fun to write. Awesome. Although I will, I will admit I cheated. Um, we had, at work we had training, 
it was boring. I was writing this book during the middle of training. <laughs> One of my coworkers kept looking over my shoulder and laughing hysterically as, it, as she was. <laughs> She's going, what are you doing? Those aren't notes. Oh, shit, that's interesting. <laughs> Can I see that when you get finished? Bring... I, I had a, um, uh, I remember uh, in college I was writing in a notebook and um I had put the notebook down on a stack of books beside my desk, and I was making mm-hmm. notes in my official notebook, you know, my actual class mm-hmm. notebook. And I looked down, and my friend had picked up my writing notebook, and mm-hmm. um, was reading it, and her eyes kept getting wider and wider and wider and wider and wider. <laughs> and she says, oh, my God, I had no idea. You're such a freak. I said, now you know. And that was before I wrote gay. <laughs> Well, I actually, you know, I had to work today, so that was a good time to be had. Yes. Fabulous. Fabulous. (laughs) Yeah. I got into work at 6.15 this morning. I didn't get out of work until 6. Fucking terrible. Mm Mm-hmm. And, like, the F word, in case you guys missed it, is, like, my new favorite word. Yeah, I noticed about Or my new old favorite word, you know. Whatever. Well, you're you're making generous use of it, um, but uh, I actually I have one friend of mine who, um, she's she knows what I write. She she's read everything else, and she kept coming up to me. Do you have your cover? Do you have your cover? no? I don't have my cover yet. So I got my cover, and I called her over, and she looked at it, and she went, "Oh my God, that's so cute! I love it." Ah, okay. It's very hot. It's a very hot cover. It's it's yeah. very very hot. Um, a lot mm-hmm. of times when you see gay romance covers, you you don't see the men actually engaging because they're putting yeah. pictures of two different men in the same place. But it's hard to find um, two men modeling together with the idea that it's going to be on some kind of gay um, venture. Whether it be yeah. uh, whatever kind of stock photo it might be used for, so it's re- that was just really. Um, I'm not sure if it's actually a stock photo or if she put two photos together, but if she did whatever she did, she did a great job on that. I was like, holy shit, oh, look at I, that! Yeah, <laughs> uh-huh. yeah, I got lucky with the uh, um, with this because you know it it actually is a fabulous um, cover. And well, all your covers are beautiful. My favorite is probably yeah. um, the mating hunt. <clears throat> yes. Yeah, and I'm looking at what else I can do, and and what other, um, you know, what other stories I can I can look at, and I've been poking at one, but we'll have to see how that goes. Yeah. Cool. I don't I don't have anything else written. Hmm. I posted for RT today. Jilly's posted. Have you posted? I, Original Tempest no, has posted a couple working. of times. For those yes, of you who might have noticed his um his breaking the rules, I did slap his hand. Yes. And, <laughs> yeah. Oh man, let's see. Yeah, one of the things I'm making sure I do is actually update my stuff so that way. Um, Hey, there she is. Uh, that way I can update the information on the Facebook site, and then I'll go in and actually do the um, uh, yes, um, website itself. 
Xander, um, there is no double posting for authors on um, romance on um, yeah. on rough trade. See, you got me. You, you got romance on the brain now, um, because there's so the many of us it. that it would be extraordinarily bad to have mm-hmm. um, uh, all these projects posting multiple mm-hmm. times a day. So authors are only allowed to post once a day, unless they're apparently mm-hmm. original Tempest. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Well, I didn't even think about it this morning because when because I, I woke up to it, I woke up to that first one, and I mm-hmm. thought, okay, he posted overnight, and then he posted later in the in the day, and it's like, okay, it was separated by sleep, therefore, night and day. <laughs> it was two different days for my head. That's how it works. <laughs> uh, it's just a day. It's just a day. I um actually yeah, had a hard yeah, start. Yeah. I had a hard start for RT. Um. Um, I started um, my my um, my story uh, four times. Um, oh man! And I started not just that story, but all my other stories too, because I couldn't. I mean, nothing was nothing was working. Nothing was coming through, and I was just like, "This is just not good. It's just not happening." And um, and then finally. Finally, something shook loose. Yeah, well, it's not so much that it shook loose, is that I realized that I was starting in a place that wasn't natural for um, for what you wanted it to do. Right, I was forcing it. I, I was forcing my I was forcing myself to go into a place of action when I really wanted it to start really quiet. Oh, you're gonna ramp it. Yeah, well, yeah. You're gonna you're gonna ramp up the the. Oh, so lovely insanity. Correct. Well, you know, it's it's about um, it's about sometimes you know I, I talk about in um in fiction starting in the middle, um, mm-hmm. and some people take me very literally when I say that. Um, so for clarification, um, the point of starting in the, the middle, middle of your action. It, it doesn't have to be. It, it's about starting in the middle. Um, it can be starting in the middle of a situation, in the middle of a scene, in the in the middle of um, a really hard moment, or in the case of Ascendant, in the middle of a really soft moment. Um, mm-hmm. You you encounter Steve. He's sitting on the beach in front of his dad's house, and he's in Hawaii. He's been there for a month, um, and the events of Dead Air are about to take place for Tony. Oh. Um, and Oh boy. They're six hours apart, and Tony's in bed and um, getting ready to go to sleep. And it's just this. Uh, I wanted to to give the impression that this is something that pretty much happens every day and has since Steve came online. That mm-hmm. um, because of the time difference, that this is you know when Steve gets off work basically, or he's down for the day, and Tony's going to sleep. That that's the time that that, that they connect. And so it was about. Mm-hmm. Not only um, demonstrating the emotional intimacy that they're developing, but also just really um, opening um, opening it up so that you notice that they're having a very um, that this is very, this is a very ordinary moment for them. This is nothing extraordinary. They're just doing no. their thing, and um, that was what. 
I was having a hard time doing because originally I'd um I started with um Tony in the hospital after the events of Dead Air because um, something mm. bad happened. Um, I started with Steve murdering Victor Hess. Um, Always a grand time. It was graphic and it was kind of thrilling, but it wasn't the moment that I wanted. Did you save it? No, no, no. I didn't. Damn it. <laughs> I just I went through like all these ideas and I wrote um, about 2,000 different, I mean, about 2,000 words of three different openings and I ended up with oh. what um with with what I got and it was about um so you don't always well, have to go in hard what? to start mm-hmm. in the middle is 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 what I was getting at yeah well, there's a, a creeping level of dread okay well yeah there and, is a yeah because it's going to be bad. I've yeah. tried to do something um, mm-hmm. kind of catastrophic to Tony. Um, not maiming for life or anything like that, but it's going to not be the same circumstances that he dealt with in canon. Because I was thinking about it, and if you put a guide undercover, someone who's an actual high-level guide, and he's very empathic, and he's saying undercover, and he comes across as terrorist, he's going to know without the voice print. He doesn't need mm-hmm. the voice print to know this. But he's still going to need somebody on the other end of the line to actually be his backup. Right, but he's not going to have that, just just like he didn't in um, the events yeah. of the of the episode. Um, and so there's going to be an incident. Yeah. And um, uh, but I, I I wanted to open it quiet because it's going to get mean mm-hmm. before it gets better. Yeah. And so it was just like I don't know. It was just good. And once I figured that out, it's, it just it flowed out in like 35 minutes. I wrote what I posted on RT in about 30 minutes. Wow. That's pretty good. That's actually really good. But I've also written about 25K already this week. So. Lady Hunter you know, is the loud talker. Well, the loud you typer. Know, part of the reason loud is I have, the, I have these fake nails on, and I don't type with the tips of my fingers. I type with the flats of my nails. So you're hearing my fake nails clicking on the keyboard, too. Just imagine what she's like, you guys, when she's in a really good writing groove. You've heard me. Yeah, I have. I was I was telling them to imagine it. I don't need to imagine it. I already know. Because, you know, you don't know this about Lady Holder and I, but sometimes we'll call each other, and then we'll write together and not talk. We'll be on Skype for, like, fucking hours not talking. Just typing at each other. And what's really disturbing is we'll 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 be poking through stuff. Ooh, this is neat, and we'll we'll drop it in a mutual chat, and and the other go, what the fuck did you just find? Or my husband, who just about everybody at this point has heard at one point or another, will come by and it's like, are you still talking to that woman? To that woman? And then he starts getting into conversations with you. <laughs> yeah, I think we're not creepy. It's not creepy. It's it's um it's a com- at this point we're really comfortable together, and it's it's a case of if 
if we ever meet an actual, you know, public, we'll probably be sitting somewhere drinking coffee on the computer. And about Not every talking, 45 minutes, I'll stop writing and ask her what she's doing, because that's what I do. <laughs> what yeah, are you doing? Basically. <laughs> what uh-huh. are you doing now? <laughs> oh, yeah. Or, or I'll hear, why are you, no, don't do that. And she's talking to her dogs. <laughs> or her cat yowling it. like she's torturing it. I'm just saying. Yeah, well, that's. <clears throat> it's yeah. just, you know, a, it's just a curiosity. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just it's just something we do, uh, you know. Uh, Every once in a while we do seem to share a brain. It's that drift thing. But what's interesting, though, is that I do that with um, different people on different things, like with my mom or my or my aunts. Um, when, when we get together to, to finish a quilt, um, a lot of times we'll be, you know, spread out in a circle with a quilt across everybody's lap, especially if we're at, if we're doing my aunt's favorite size recently, which is a California King. Um, and there'll be 20 of us. So we'll all be just be, some of us will be on, um, uh, headphones and we'll be talking to each other for hours. Food will happen with no talking, just doing our own thing. And then every once in a while, someone will look up and say, hey, do you see her? And then we're all like, oh, my God, that was the stupidest shit I've ever seen. And then we like, for five minutes, that's all we do is talk about that stupid shit we saw, and then we go back to sewing. <laughs> that sounds like what we do. <laughs> so it's not just that I – I mean, it's just something that I actually do. Um, and I infected Lady Holder. <laughs> Well, there's there's been points where we've actually spent hours just talking, and then there's phone calls where we might say a grand total of 200 words to each other, and that's it, and the phone call is six hours long. But the fact of the matter is is that, yeah, because, you know, writing is a very solitary endeavor. Um, So sometimes, you know, I mean, it's just, I don't know, it is what it is. Mm -hmm. It works out fine for me. I'm happy. Yeah, I'm happy when we're when we're sitting here and and you know just not doing much of anything some days and it's like okay how you doing oh we're doing good you know and off we go. But it's a I don't know it's just a um it's just what it's just what happens um mm-hmm. and um but. It really depends on the personalities because there's sometimes people who are just not um, <laughs> made for that kind of interaction. Like me and my mom can sit by side by side in like a cafe or something for hours. She'll be doing her thing. I'll be doing mine. And it's no big deal. But my sisters, neither one of them, neither one of my sisters can sit in a place Without talking. <laughs> Pretty much non-stop. So she's not often, neither one of them are often invited to the quilting thing. Oh, man. Not often I... at all. Because they're talkers. They're very chatty. Whereas I think my brother might have said ten words in the past year. <laughs> I mean, he's just not a talker. <laughs> but he he often says that, that when one. you grow up in a family full of women, you don't get to talk. 
shit. <laughs> Especially the family oh. woman that he grew up in. Oh my yeah. I, I can I can understand that. All right. So for anybody who does not want to um go on the website to get um tempted uh, it's on my the the actual sneak peek and the um, cover is on my uh, my Facebook page and um, along with the link because might as well you know might as well tempt go ahead do it buy it <laughs> buy it <clears throat> the thing that I would say about um, buying um, original works. From from your favorite writers is that um, here's what happens when you buy their work, you support them, which gives them more time to write. Um, I hardcore had to write for a living. I wouldn't have time to do anything else because of pirating. Honestly, um, I had a book that was pirated. A hundred thousand copies of my book was pirated. Um, At uh, that particular book was um, a trade, Um, so it was going for nine ninety nine as an ebook. A hundred thousand copies of my book were pirated, Um, and that's money not in my pocket. They got to enjoy my book without paying for it. Did not support me in my craft, and. Which means at the which meant at the time I could not quit the job I was working. So I was working forty to fifty hours a week, coming home and writing. Um, well, yeah, that's how much the total sales would be. Almost a hundred thousand. Um, almost, yeah, that's a lot of money. Um, Jesus Christ, that, that's a lot of money. I am really mad. Yeah, <laughs> that's uh-huh. almost a million dollars. Yeah. And, okay, the thing is, is um. I would have gotten about ten percent of that as an author. Oh, per that God. per that particular contract. Jesus. And even that's nothing to sneeze at. No. No, that's a that's a fabulous amount of money. But mm. so when you don't, so when you pirate a book or when you let. So you give a book to your friend, um, especially an ebook, instead of actually buying their, buying them a copy. Oh, well, you know, I got mm-hmm. it. It doesn't have DRM on it, so I'll just give you a copy. Well, you're taking money out of the writer's pocket, and um, that could be the difference between them working a full-time job and writing an hour a day and writing at home and you getting more books. So when you cheat writers, you're just cheating yourself because they don't have the time to give you more. I've got a, um, my view is slightly different, but it's also uh, influenced by a different source. Um, when, when I started getting into eBooks, uh, I was reading a pretty much exclusively a publisher by the name of Bain Books. Bain doesn't do DRM. Um, the original uh, owner and publisher loathed it, so he kind of skipped it's the terrible. whole process. 
It's terrible. Bane yeah. is a science fiction fantasy publisher. Um, highly recommended. I highly recommend it as a reader and as a writer. Mm-hmm. You can't go wrong there. They are a very fair and good company. Mm-hmm. They are, and they've gotten a, a couple uh, friends of mine actually uh, got their starts through them, and and you know they they adored their their stuff. So I'm really happy with them. But they've got a thing called the Free Library. And they treat it like you would treat a an old-fashioned library. You know, you go in, you you know, check out the books. But not everything is there. Um, they may have one or two um, stories out of a series. And uh, at that point, you know, what they're basically doing is they're baiting the trap. It's kind of like that um, meme where it says, come to the dark side, we have cookies. Well, they don't have cookies. They have book one and two of a ten-book series. So at that point, you've, bought, you, you've fallen in love with one and two, and you buy three through ten. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. So there's that. I I don't see the harm in in some ways of you know, hey, this is this is the first giving everything. I see lots of harm. Okay, but hey. If, if you like this, how, try this, you know, and then here's the link to the rest of their stuff. You know, buy some cookies. You know. The other stuff, Pirate, especially if it's a print um, situation where the writer mm-hmm. is in print and an ebook, um, print companies invest a lot of money in the print run. And if that book gets drastically grievously pirated um the likelihood and and the and the publisher didn't make even on the book itself because of pirating um they're not likely to buy other books in that series i have also seen writers who had very successful series stop writing them because they stopped making money on them because of how much they were being pirated oh jeez which hurts the reader more than it hurts anybody else mm-hmm. because you know a writer can always go somewhere else with a new idea. But there mm-hmm. you go. You, you have a series that you absolutely love, but you're not going to get any more of it because some asshole pirated it, and the author didn't make enough money to justify continuing to work on that particular series. Ooh. Okay, my words one. You just okay. You saw David last time. I saw Mr. Weber. His twin girls were just barely into the family, and I don't think I ever met Terry Weisskopf, but I know I knew of her. So yeah, congratulations to you on meeting Mr. Weber. I'm envious again. I um I don't know. That's just the kind of thing that uh, really. Really frost my cookies. I could have bought a new car with that money. Shit. And that was just one link. That wasn't all the links. That was one pirated link. I'm just saying. Now you can say uh, that people who pirate books wouldn't buy books anyway. And that might be true. But if you can't buy it, you don't deserve it. That's rude. I'm sorry. That's rude. I'm, but you know what? No. If you if you can't buy it, take your ass to the library. And if the library doesn't have it, that's better. Take your ass to the used bookstore and, and hope for the best. But pirating is bullshit. Pirating is a very uncool method. Let's see. 
Now, my first book when it when it got pirated, I cried. I was so upset. I was it, it was so it was like that the person who gave it to be pirated was saying, "Here, I bought this book, but you shouldn't bother spending any money on it. So here, you can have it for free." Uh. Way to minimize my efforts, asshole. So they didn't say that, actually. They didn't actually come out and say that. But that's the feeling that I got. hmm Anyways. It's very annoying. It's very, 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 very fucking annoying. Um, hmm. I I'm hate... I absolutely hate the lending function on Barnes & Noble and Amazon because that's actually taking money out of my pocket as a writer. Because when you lend out a book to a person, especially someone who can read fast, they're going to read it and not buy it. And I get nothing out of it as a writer. And Kindle Unlimited, a writer only gets paid on Kindle Unlimited if you read a certain percentage of the book. You're kidding. No, I'm not kidding. Oh. I think it's upward of 50 or 75% of the book. You might have to finish the book. So if you have Kindle Unlimited um, and you download a whole bunch of books um, and you don't read them for a year... The writer's getting nothing out of that. The the writer is... Kindle Unlimited is honestly the worst thing that could have happened to Amazon from a writer's point of view. I used to make a great deal of money from Amazon, and now I don't. Huh. And it's because of, well, you know, the sales are going to be better on on, on Kindle than they are anywhere else, because um, that's the biggest mm-hmm. ebook platform. But... When I say I used to make a whole lot of money on Amazon, I had a um, ebook about five years ago that easily sold four to five thousand copies a month for a year. Whoa! That does not happen now because of the lending library and because of um, Kindle Unlimited. Huh. Here's something interesting. And when you have a writer who who has to earn a living that way, um, Mm -hmm. that kind of policy is is career ruining. Mm -hmm. You can decide whether or not your um, book goes into Kindle Unlimited, but I think unless the publisher outright forbids it across the board, and that has to be a big publisher, not small independent publishers, you have no choice on the Kindle lending. Now, granted, when you lend a book to somebody, you can only lend it once. You can't lend that book out to five or six people. You can only lend that book out to one person. Um, And yes, it might generate sales, but it might not. And that's a sale that a, a writer has potentially lost. And it, it's just, um, but I'm approaching that strictly from a writer's point of view. From a reader's point of view, Kindle Unlimited is actually kind of awesome. 
I don't pay for Kindle Unlimited and I don't use it um, because it pisses me off as a writer. But if I was just a reader, Kindle Unlimited would be a godsend for me because um, I read a lot and um, reading is very expensive. It's a very expensive hobby to have. And Kindle Unlimited gives you unlimited books for 10 bucks a month. Right? Mm-hmm. I think something like that. Uh-huh. And so it's like the Netflix of books. And when you're a big reader like me, that would actually be very, very beneficial. Um, but it's it's not good for writers. Yep. They say it is, but it's not. Because the proof is in the money. Mm-hmm. Proof is in the pudding. You know, I'm looking through, since you I'm looking through my my statements and no, I'm not going to. You're tell you're um um you're fading off. I can't hear you. Oh, is that any better? Yeah, it's better. Did you, did you move your headset or something? Yeah, I did. Sorry about that. Yeah. Um, what I was saying is I was actually looking through my statements and I realized that um of the three books I have out, Mating Hunt is the the consistent best at this point. Mhm. It's that's kind of interesting. I think I know what I'm going to be sticking with then. Threesomes. <laughs> threesomes. You know, not so much threesomes and moresomes, but threesomes. Well, when a book is put up for free in Kindle, that's the publisher's choice. But mm-hmm. um, Kindle Unlimited is 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 a lot different. And sometimes you don't like. There's supposed to be some kind of pricing scheme in Kindle Unlimited where you don't actually get paid the full price if the reader doesn't read the full book. You get paid a percentage of what they read. Hmm. Which makes me feel like I'm working in a sweatshop. Yeah, not, that's not the greatest feeling. No, if a, book is give, if a book is free on Kindle... Um, Neither the publisher or the writer is going to get paid for it. Yeah. Nobody gets any money. That's horrific. But sometimes a publisher will, like you said, put a book out for free to entice people to read other books in that particular series, which is good. That generates sales. That generates um, um, interest in an author. It generates interest in a series. That's just uh, that's really good marketing. Um, but... Situations see, like Kindle like, Unlimited is a real problem. Yeah, I can see somebody like Nora Roberts doing it with her in-depth books and putting out the first one or Weber oh, and... Um, there's a big difference between Nora Roberts and other people. She doesn't have to do yes. that kind of shit. <laughs> that, that's kind of what I'm thinking. It's more of a case of she actually can't afford it. Okay. What is that noise? He's making scones. Huh. I appreciate his industriousness in the middle of the night. <laughs> it's only nine. Yeah, he's he's making, um, I'm sorry, as he's making death fruit scones. Oh, he's making strawberry scones? Oh, my God. I love blueberry scones the best, though. They're my favorite. Well, it's it's actually a mixed berry, so it's strawberry, strawberry, blueberry, blackberry, and cherry. Cherry, strawberry, blueberries, 
Speaking of blueberries, I had a blueberry biscuit from um, Bojangles. That's a chicken. Fr- that's a fried chicken place. No, um, it, if you guys have a Bojangles anywhere near you, go get you a damn blueberry biscuit. It is amazing. <laughs> it was so good. Oh, oh my gosh. It was so good. Oh. I bought two. I only got to eat one. I regret my choices. I should have bought four. <laughs> okay. I'm just saying. Holy Hannah. My words said Nora at one time put out 15 books in one month. I think those were reprints. Um, I hope so. From Harlequin. Still. Oh, my God. Well, you know, she's, yeah, she's just got craziness. Uh-huh. Bojangles is amazing, yes, but their blueberry biscuits are another level. They're another level. Oh, my goodness. My goodness. Yeah, I, I won't be able to do that unless, you know, we end up out in, in um, parts of the American um, eastern seaboard swamp. Oh, Since sorry. you know the the other you know uh, primary uh, flying thing out there aside from birds and airplanes is mosquitoes. Essentially, it was a blueberry scone, but it had um, icing drizzled over it. Oh, there's a thought. I know, right? Oh, it was so good. Anyway, um, I'm gonna put you on hold because Julie's on the line, okay. and Julie wanted to talk about um, the pacification of Tony Denozo. <laughs> oh, hey, I'm I'm all for for talking about how it's ridiculous. Come on, I wrote I wrote competent, you know, man. I just mm. it, it's really infuriating that you actually that that's actually a tag in NCIS because it's so prevalent mm-hmm. that he's not that you have to point out that you've written one that's competent. Mhm. Yep. Yep. Sweet mother of, of Tom Hiddleston. Anyways. I'll put you on hold. Apparently his mother is sweet. She would have to be to have raised that beautiful creature. Mm-hmm. Okay. okay. Hold. I'll be on hold. Hey there. Can you hear me okay? I can hear you okay. All right. I'm on a different phone today. So different phone, different headset. I have no idea what it sounds like. It sounds fine. It's not bad at all. Yeah, if people have to point out that Tony is smart and competent, it's just like, oh, come on. Because that was obvious in the show. I mean, should you have to point out canon? <laughs> but it's so not um, prevalent in fan fiction that they tag it just so you'll know. I don't get yeah, it. Yeah, it's kind of like it's like the designated girl thing, which is it's, which is insulting on the face of it. It's like. Um, you know, in 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 a relationship, we need some sort of weak character, which is just it's mean to women to do that. To say, oh, we don't have a designated woman in this, so we're going to make one, and it's like, well, I don't want my women that way either. <laughs> no, no. I mean, I don't I had, understand. I, think, I, I really don't. I think I had. I think in April, I had Tony cry once, and it was not even, it was more alluded to than really said that he cried, 
But I put him through the fucking ringer emotionally for that. And, you know, I always feel like I have to really work for it to get my male characters, or actually female characters too, although it's a little bit easier for me to have a female character cry. But I feel like I have to really work for it to um, get them there. Let me just say estrogen. Estrogen says a lot. It really does, and it really is a factor in tears. And how do I know this? Because... I had a doctor who was treating me for PMDD for a while and thought, well, we're going to try giving you some estrogen. It turns out I didn't have an estrogen problem, and they didn't check it. And so I got an overdose of estrogen. Uh-oh. I cried. <laughs> I cried for three solid days. And I'm, I, I'm just not a crier. And it's like somebody would look at me and say hi, and I would start to cry. <laughs> I'm like, what, the hell is, what the hell is wrong with me? And I called the doctor, and I was crying on the phone to the doctor. I was just sobbing. I'm like, I can't figure out why I stopped stop crying. Just, I think we might have gotten the wrong dose of estrogen for you. <laughs> I was like, really? Can I take the patch off? <laughs> Please? Please? So there is, but there, there is a hormonal factor in how, um, in, in, in hormones do certain things to us. And that is a factor. Um, but, you know, even the the amount that you have characters in some stories like Blair or Spencer or Tony crying wouldn't even be realistic except for a woman on the patch, you know? <laughs> because it's not just you're writing this male character. Um, you're not just emasculating them. You're um, You're taking them to a place that even a grown woman would be like, what the fuck is, because I'm a grown woman and I'm asking, what the fuck's wrong with your character? Exactly. And it's just, you know, I mean, uh, uh, big emotional overreactions just don't make sense. For, I mean, some characters are, are, I mean, if you see that in canon, great. But do we ever see that in canon in the, with this character? And actually, when typically when you have a canon character who canon is, uh, is, is, tends to be an overreactor, people tend to find them annoying. And they hate them. So why do we go to that place with characters we like? It's just so bizarre. And, you know, you can have, I was thinking about this the other day, um, you can write a character who is empathic and nurturing and have them be a badass at the same time. And we do tend to, I, mean, I do it too, um, we do tend to um, take some of those elements out when we're writing female characters, um, but then readily put them into the men. Um, but you can, but you, they aren't mutually exclusive. I mean, like, if you're writing a, a, a character who's a mom, who's like, let's they've been in a disaster or something like that, you know, her priority is going to be taking care of her kids, getting them food, getting them shelter, and those are very nurturing things. But it is also what a strong person does. Right? Mm-hmm. Like immediately when you said that, I got that that scene in my head of Independence Day when, um. She's in the car with her kid, and, mm-hmm. the, the, and the weapon goes off, and she hauls her kid out of the car through traffic, kicks open a door. Badass, total badass. You know, she's just, Vivica Fox is owning this, and, you know, gets her kid to shelter as that weapon is going off. Because that just, that's what immediately popped into my head, right? Exactly. And she, you know, she was not and the, the dog, one kicking yeah. alien ass. Yeah, she wasn't the one kicking alien ass. She didn't go up to the spaceship. I mean, she didn't do those roles in the movie, 
But she was such a badass because she saved her son. She didn't just panic and scream. And she said, we're going to fix this problem. And, you know, that is what I want to see in strong characters, be they men or women, is that they can focus on something like saving their child or taking care of someone or focus on shelter and food and being a, being a mother or being a parent and still be completely awesome and not be weepy and teary and, you know. Yeah, she did get the truck and she rescued other people and she was just like, we're going to go there, we're going to do this, and she was just all about it. You know, that was like one of my favorite parts of Independence Day actually was um, – the um not only you know was she such a badass um but she wasn't ashamed of who she was and um it was just just really really good it was just really good and it's hard and it's, it's you don't often see a woman in a movie especially during that time period I'm just imagine how just how old is independence day where she is an exotic dancer but she's not ashamed of it she's just she's just doing her thing you know, she, she's feeding her kid, and she, there's and the no shame, shame in her, her game. No, no. Not, not from her or from anybody else in the movie. So it was just, you know. That was that was 20 years ago. Right? Damn. So, you know, I don't get it. And... Maybe it's because I do tend to write um how's a good way to put this um I tend to write an idealized an idealized version of characters when I'm writing fan fiction um, mm-hmm. <laughs> my word said two more hours and she could have saved all the people in l a on the rooftops. I totally believe that you give her a helicopter, she'd have been like, "Okay, let's go get these assholes off the buildings." <laughs> <laughs> and she, um, you know, I, I think people like reading idealized characters. It's just interesting that some people think idealization means something different than what I think of it. Um, because, like you said, you said earlier, being emotional, or being, being vulnerable to your emotions, or being empathic, is, is not the same as being weak. And it is so aggravating that those things are equated. It's it's um uh, it's infuriating, and also because of what you said earlier about how um, they're feminizing um, the character to put them in a role. Um, I guess maybe that's familiar to them that they're comfortable writing, but all you're doing is insulting both the male character and women. Yeah. Because I cry when I get mad. And honestly, when I stubbed my toe the other day, I cried because it was really fucking painful. (laughs) And I broke my toenail. I just got my nails done. That's actually pretty feminine. But what I'm getting at is that (laughs) There was physical pain involved in my tears, okay? Um, and um, I was also on my period, so that kind of added to it. But as a rule, women aren't weepy, weak bitches either. So I don't understand where this whole thing is coming from. I think they want 
I, I wonder if my well, I don't know. In some stories, I wonder if the element is they want somebody to step in and take over and fix things for Tony or Blair or whatever, or you know. But, but let them fix it themselves. You know, I mean, that's just. I mean, you're almost infantilizing them. And I guess if that's what you like, that's okay. I just wish you'd put a bigger warning on your fic. Yeah. In fact, I would like you to warn me if your character is a pussy. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's ugly. I know it's ugly. I know. I know it's terrible. And um, I'm going to get accused of misogyny again. But it's not about that. It's not about... Um, uh, one of the things I was so careful with when I was writing Harry Potter and the Soulmate Mon, especially with the older parts of it that I had to redo, um, because I was kind of dramatic at 20, more dramatic at 20 than I am now, um, and I needed to um, take a step back a little bit from the, and, and I had to add some stuff that I'd, because I'd originally written most of Harry Potter and the Soulmate Mon before book four ever came out. So if that gives you you know any kind of indication of what I had to do when I rewrote it, um, and one of the things that I really focused on was making sure that Hermione wasn't um, a damsel in distress. Yes, she's got some vulnerable moments, and um, she doesn't always know which way to go, and. Um, sometimes she stumbles along the way and she did need help, but she didn't get help from a man. She got help from Minerva. Mm-hmm. I, I didn't want Harry to sweep in and rescue her. I I wanted her to kind of rescue herself, which is what she did. It, it finally all came out and she made a choice to be adopted by Minerva. Um, and it was you know, not about him. It, it wasn't about him at all. It was about her. And her choices and her decision and her her um her future and it was because I didn't want her to be to me when I was ta- thinking about how the soulmate bond would work in that particular story is that she has to e- meet him on an equal footing because he is in a very different position um from her and um it's important that she not be, um, if she's not his equal, then I think that their situation could become very codependent in an unhealthy way. It's just, um, there, there are levels of codependency, obviously, especially with a soulmate bond. Um, but, um, I just wanted her to be strong. And I don't know, sometimes I think I didn't accomplish it. Because when you look at it from the outside, I'm like, oh, God, I wish I hadn't done that particular thing. But it's too late. It's done. I don't have to deal with it. Um, you know? So, you know, I don't know. I think you did an amazing job with Hermione in, actually, in all of your stories. But um, she, because you know, she's younger um, in Soulmate Bond, um, it it really resonates um, how she's coming into her own, and um, she has this desire to meet Harry on an equal footing, and um, not be 
is arm candy. Right. And it's just, it's, it's, it's a wonderful um, portrayal of a young woman in a story. And I, um, you know, I'd like to see, I like, I like to see, read, read stories like that. And whether the character is male or female, um, that's what I want to see in relationships is that people are different, but they come together in a way that's equal. And when you have a, somebody who's constantly in a damsel in distress or constantly emotionally overwrought or can't handle situations or throws things a lot when they get angry, has temper tantrums at work, there's no way to establish an inequality in a relationship like that. Um, and I'm not talking about protectiveness because it's common in a lot of tropes that the sentinel or the alpha or whatever is very protective of their mate. I'm not talking about protectiveness, but there has to be some basis for equality. And that's one of the reasons why a lot of times um, the ABO trope doesn't work for me is because there's just no um, coming together as equals at all. I have a profane opinion about that. Um, a lot of times in the ABO, which is Alpha, Beta, Omega, for those of you who aren't familiar with that in fandom, um, no assumptions. Um, it uh, it if you're not careful with your characterization of the Omega or the submissive or the bottom, if you have a character in your um, in your story that is um, always on bottom, you're not you're turning them into a hole. If they serve no other purpose but to receive your main character's cock, they're a hole. They're not a character. If they don't have their you're own, just... what? You've just written a flashlight. Congratulations. <laughs> it's true, though, right? I mean, if they don't right. have their own goals and desires and opinions, if they literally only have that one purpose, um, then you mm. can replace them with a sex toy. Mm-hmm. But I would say that the characterization of Hermione um, in the Harry Potter and the Soulmate Bond is more inspired by Emma Watson than the character itself because she's such um, um, an inspiring young woman. And um, I find um, her really elegant and put together and um, thoughtful. And um, I'm just... It's kind of odd, but since I didn't watch the movies, I can't really say I watched her grow up. But I'm kind of proud of her <laughs> that she grew up in this situation where she was, you know, famous at a very young age, and she still kept herself level-headed and hadn't done anything crazy. And you know, she's strong, and she's a feminist, and she's just, you know, she's owning her um, herself, and she's just awesome and so when I um, whenever I approach Hermione um, now not when I was younger because I tended to not always treat her kindly when I was a young woman and I don't know why um, it could have been just me being an asshole um, or it could have been book five or was it book six it's book six 
she was kind of an asshole in book six, Hermione, um, not Emma, <laughs> but Hermione was kind of an yeah. asshole in book six, and that could that could be coloring my view of her in in in, in some of those earlier fics, and some of which I have actually I have one or two of them on um, um, Evil Author Day, um, and I think it boils down to um, that, but um, it's just because I do find Emma Watson to be just an awesome woman. She's just owning it, and I really appreciate um, the way she moves in the world, and so that's how um, when I write her, I'm that's the inspiration that comes from that, you know. And she is feminine, and she is elegant, and she's empathic, and she's still a badass. She is, uh, yeah. You don't have to strip those characteristics away to have a strong female character. And speaking of strong female characters, I'd like to do a little public service announcement. <laughs> Some of you have read on my website a little epiphany I had a, while, a couple years ago about why I don't put female characters in my stories, or I didn't at that point in time. And the epiphany was around the fandom pressure of Mary Sue's and self-inserts. And I had this epiphany. And I wrote about it and what my, you know, that I intended to try to correct it. But I'd like to point out that Emergence was written before that epiphany. <laughs> Actually, it was because of Emergence that I had that epiphany. Because there are no primary female characters in Emergence, except Abby, who's sort of a secondary character. There's a couple of secondary female characters. But because there's no primary female characters in Emergence, that does not make me a misogynist. <laughs> Just saying. <laughs> did I ask what? Never mind. I'll ask you later. I was going to ask a question. I probably should. I did. I did insult their parentage. I took the opportunity. <laughs> awesome! Congratulations. Specifically, I said your white cousin shouldn't marry. <laughs> That's amazing. I hope you have a screenshot so I can see it later. Um, I did get a screenshot. Yes. Okay. Um. I think that uh, your epiphany, when you had it, um, we actually talked about it on the podcast, I believe. We did. Um, we did. Mary Sue's. And um, I, it, it, it did cause me to take a look at my characters because I tend to bash without reserve Jenny Weasley and Jennifer Keller. And I don't bash them because they're in the way of my ships because I'm not a whore to canon, so I have no problems dismissing anything in canon that I don't like. I specifically don't like Jenny because I think she's useless as a character and it would have been better served for the plot if she had died if she had actually died in the Chamber of Secrets. Um or received some kind of permanent backlash to it because there were no ramifications of her willingly writing in that diary for a year. Stealing it's it like back from Mary. Like she was a muggle-born or something. She would have faced serious ramifications. Yeah. Yeah. She would have faced serious ramifications. If if it had been Hermione, Hermione might have even got expelled. Or put in Azkaban. Something. Uh, Anyway. I don't think the Risen World in canon would have hesitated to imprison a child if they thought they were dangerous. And, you know, Ginny, uh, what 11-year-old wakes up covered in blood and doesn't go and talk to her brothers, of which she has four in the school? I know, right? 
or Hermione, who was being who was trying to be very friendly with her at the time. And you can't say just the diary itself was influencing her that much because Harry has a diary for quite a while. Now, I also hate Jennifer Keller, but I don't hate Jennifer Keller for the same reason that I hate Jenny, who is just a useless character, and most, if not all, of her actions after book two could have been given to a different character, okay? Um, Jennifer Keller is, in fact, a Mary Sue. If you don't know what one is, and you were curious about it, and you had some ideas, Jennifer Keller is, in fact, a Mary Sue, Blonde, beautiful, perfect, super smart, a doctor at a young age. Everything about them is ideal. They solve complex problems just by walking in the room and tossing their hair. It's just ridiculous. And who didn't want her? Even Shepard gave her a look or two. Did you notice that? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Ronan wanted her. McKay wanted her. Shepard at least thought she was hot. I think Clone Carson might have wanted her. I mean, anyways, I didn't like her. I actually don't typically like Mary Susan stories. You can spot them from a mile off, and sometimes they're men. But I typically don't enjoy them, uh, but I was, you know, people can do what the hell they want to do, but it was definitely the whole Mary Sue. Because, but the thing is, the problem with fandom was it didn't matter. When you were writing a slash story, it didn't matter what your female character was doing unless she was, like, waiting tables and didn't have any dialogue. She was a Mary Sue in people's minds. And it was ridiculous, and there was so much pressure not to do that and um but you know i understand that people don't like mary sue's i don't like mary sue's i don't enjoy reading them typically but i fully on board people's right to put that into their fan fiction if they want to do it um if i when i write someone who has mary sue qualities i do it on purpose to be an asshole Let me see if I have who is my most clearly defined Mary Sue? Miko in Ties at Barn. She's practically perfect in every way. She's a geisha. She's a fucking princess. She's beautiful. She's understanding. She's empathetic. She's a badass. (laughs) (laughs) So Miko is a Mary Sue too. But you like her anyway, don't you? Yeah. I do like her. Can't help it. I think anybody who saw the shrine and didn't hate Keller for it um, didn't see the shrine. (laughs) Yeah, I agree. I agree. If you can sit through the entire episode of the shrine and not hate Keller, something is wrong with you. Um, because she ignored something was drastically wrong with McKay because she liked him better because he was nice. And then she admitted it to his sister that she liked him better so she overlooked the drastic change in his personality. 
That's medical malpractice. Ugly. It's so ugly what she did. And then she dismisses Ronan's um, solution. And, okay, the thing is, is I'm an atheist across the board. Um, And I have some opinions that can be very insulting. But I don't normally, unless someone gets in my face with their religion and tries to touch me with it, um, I don't normally um, dismiss them out of hand. And she did dismiss him and his spirituality completely out of hand. And to the point where she basically all but said he was stupid. Well, and the thing is, with a scientist in Pegasus has to know that to a lot of the cultures in um in Pegasus, technology looked like magic or God. So even though it wasn't actually a technology situation, it was a parasite, um, her dismissal of something that looked um, divine in some way was just pure arrogance. And it was willful blindness because they have to run into that kind of – they run into technology that people think is godly in that galaxy all the time. She's such an asshole. And let's not not overlook the fact that she – that she drilled into the head of, like, the smartest person on the expedition with the DeWalt. It's my head cannon when Rodney is confessing that his love, when he says, I love you and I've loved you for a long time, that he was actually talking to John. Well, of course. <laughs> and not Keller. Because he didn't even remember who the fuck she was. The only person he remembered was John. So why on earth would he tell her, whom he does not remember, that he's loved her for a long time? That's probably bad writing in a plot hole, but it works really well for my head cannon. <laughs> <laughs> It's just really annoying. It's just really annoying to um one thing somebody said up in the chat room earlier that they find it really offensive when all original characters are labeled Mary Sue's. Um it's terrible. That boils down to reader ignorance mm-hmm. and no small amount of arrogance. Um one of the most offensive things that I encounter are people who think who assume I'm not capable of an original idea. I think I just sprained my eye. You know what I mean, though? I do. I do. Like, if you say, I'm going to write a space epic, like I said, um, I'm going to write a book where John is stranded um, en route from Venus, and someone immediately asked me... um, if I was going to do an AU of the Martian. (laughs) 
okay. No, I'm not going to do an AU of the Martian. I'm just, it's my own idea. It's my own thing. He's not stuck on a planet. He's, there's going to be stuff. There's, this. it's, I read a few books. It's going to be technical. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe, I don't know. But regardless, I mean, and even, you know, even in my fan fiction, I don't tend to go with the herd. Uh, I'm just. Oh, it was just that's just really offensive to me. And also, well, you also um, get it, you also, after you get it after the fact too, with people saying things like, um, "That was surprisingly good," or "I wouldn't have thought that idea would have worked," or "I don't know how you could have thought of that." Really? That that was surprisingly good. Always kind of sets my back up because I get that more frequently than I would like. It's like, wow, that was surprisingly good. Or I didn't expect this to be good, but I really enjoyed it. <laughs> like, yeah, like, yeah, fuck you. Really? Fuck you. Fuck you yeah, in the get eye. Off my sight. Um, <laughs> get off my lawn. <laughs> <laughs> but, or, or worse, and this is, this is actually, I've, I've encountered this a lot too, is because I do tend to have an, an asshole-ish personality. Um, I'm very blunt. And unfortunately, so is McKay. So people have accused me of basically self-inserting into McKay because we actually have very similar personalities. Okay. I actually, I've never crossed my mind. You people are weirdos. But I've been accused of self um, self-inserting into McKay um, because, or. Um, uh, Oh, and when I put out my original book, um, one of I had a reader email me and um, complain because uh, she was looking forward to reading it because basically she thought it was going to be a vague AU of Stargate and that the characters were really going to be John and Rodney, and she was disappointed that they weren't in fact John and Rodney. I was like, no, it's an original fucking work. Why would you do that? If I'd done that, I wouldn't have put it <laughs> with a publisher. I'd have put it on my own damn site. Come on, people. Then there is that one person. Fan fiction. There is that one person who said that she thought Riley was McKay. And I'm like, you need to go back and read that book again because Riley is nothing like McKay. Nothing. No. The only thing they have in common is the doctor in front of their name. And that is it. Valerie says, I had a friend tell me she wouldn't read my stuff because I wrote AU all the time. You tell your friend that every single piece of fan fiction she's ever read is alternate universe because no fan fiction writer is capable of writing canon material. Period. Unless they copy down a script word for word of a TV show, they have not written canon. It might be canon compliant, which is not the same thing as canon. 
I fucking hate that. I fucking hate it. And also, if she reads any slash fic, she's reading AU. Because I got news for you. In the United States, never once did Shepard fuck McKay. So if that happened in another country and I missed out, I want to fucking see it. I expect to get videos. I don't care if it's pirated or not at this point. If you have video of John Shepard fucking Rodney McKay, I want to fucking see it right now. Podcast will end early. <laughs> so if your friend reads Slash, she reads AU every damn time. Because Thorne never fucked Bilbo as much as we all hope they would. Okay? Okay, I'm serious. Blair never got any. Well, he got some, but he never got any at Jim. I'm... <clears throat> Dean fucks a lot of people on Supernatural, but never the angel, okay? Okay, I'm serious. And certainly not his brother. <laughs> it's, it's definitely not his brother. I'm just, it's so infuriating when I see that, when someone says, oh, well, I don't read AU in fandom. Fuck you, that's all you read. Maybe you don't read alternate setting stories. I tend to not read very many of those myself. Like, I have a pet peeve, not trying to bash anybody, but high school AUs give me hives. Okay? I'm going to write high. Now I want to write a high school AU. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. Because you know I'd read it no matter what. <laughs> a little spite, a little spite. Yeah, you're, you're 95% caffeine and 5% spite. Yeah. I'm a lot of caffeine right for, now. Maybe so I've had a. I've had like a whole fucking liter of um, Diet Coke. Oh dear! Like since the show started. <laughs> Are you gonna need a pee break? <laughs> it's amazing that I don't at my age. I'm just saying. Well, yeah, but they're not. Does Hogwarts count as high school? Yes, but it's not an AU because Hogwarts takes place in high school, basically. Yeah, I'm talking about like taking the NCIS cast and like, um, you know, putting them all in high school. And Tony's a, like a senior varsity player, and Gibbs is his, you know, perverted coach who gets on. <laughs> <you know. laughs> oh my god! Oh my god! I kind of want to read that, but it's terrible. I feel bad. I feel really bad that I want to read that, just so I can, you know, <laughs> talk about it. Because a lot of times I read stuff just to bitch about it. I ain't gonna lie. I do. I, I read something just so I can bitch. Did you see this shit? <laughs> Share the link. That's <laughs> like, what the fuck was that? Tony's legal, right? I'm <laughs> 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 oh, sorry. Not really. I'm not sorry. <laughs> I, you know, I, I mean, uh, Eleanor says that the most high school AUs she's read are Stargate related. I have to, there are a lot of them. I haven't touched any of them. I tried high school AUs a couple of times and other fandoms, and I, it just doesn't work for me. I, I like grown ups. You know what? I, I would love to see a sky high SGA crossover. That would be hysterical. <laughs> I have to figure out who's going to end up in the sidekick class. <laughs> and be mad about it. <laughs> I don't want to be a sidekick. But I tell you what, if I ever wrote a Sky High SGA AU, Miko would be a hero. Because <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to marry Sue, that woman, to the end of time. 
just because I can. And I've actually kept this a secret to myself for a long time. I hadn't told anybody that basically made me go on Mary Sue. But she is. In everything I write, she's basically Mary Sue. Just as Mary Sue as she wants to be. And what might have been, she's the best hacker on the planet. In Sentinels of Atlantis, she beats a Wraith Queen to death. <laughs> I'm, just, I'm, just saying, <laughs> I'm just saying she beats her to death. Well, there might have been some, you know, sonic, empathic things going on, too. But she basically pistol whipped that bitch. It <laughs> was awesome. Don't run on a parade, Come on, now. Um, but, yeah, so, um, yeah, but uh, I totally, like, made you guys like a, a Mary Sue. And I you did. will not apologize for it. And we all want to characterize her as a Mary Sue now. <laughs> yeah, Mary Sue want to be Miko. <laughs> that, that's so awesome she is. But I really, um, it was just really, it's just, you know, sometimes you do something that really amuses yourself and then you keep doing it and no one was catching on. So it got more amusing and more amusing as 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 it went on. So by the time she ends up in ties it by, I was like, fuck it, she's a princess. We should go all out. <laughs> fuck it, where's your crowd? <laughs> well, you know, I admit that I idealize Tony in a lot of my stories. Um, mm. Not to uh, not to what I think is a Mary Sue degree, but um, I have been told that I marry Sue Tony. But I don't. I'll talk to them in their eyeball. I don't particularly care if people think that. Um, although I'm going to marry marry Sue the fuck out of him in. Um, just you know, forewarning, in uh, my my Stargate crossover this summer, um, in Primus, he's going to be like the baddest ass the baddest ass guy the world has ever known. <laughs> I have this thing where I don't actually read a lot of SG one, but it's always my favorite when Daniel becomes like a Mary Sue. When Daniel's just like the most awesome epic thing ever, I, I, I love it. <laughs> it's really good. Daniel's pretty close to that in canon a lot of times. I mean, there it's like, what didn't Daniel do for you guys? What problem can't he fix? Can we borrow your anthropologist, archaeologist? No, you cannot. <laughs> I have to admit, normally I don't like it stories when um, Daniel's a dam- damsel in distress, but there's a little bit of a trope in SG-1 fandom where when other teams borrow Daniel, something happens to him. Um, I have to admit that's like a guilty pleasure of mine. As long as he's not pathetic, it's a little bit of a guilty pleasure because I just find it so hysterical when they inevitably come back through the gate and admit to Jack that they've lost Daniel. <laughs> <laughs> Someone, my words in the chat room wants to know, is Sansa Stark a Mary Sue? Her mom wants to know, is Sansa, is Sansa Stark a Mary Sue? Now, Sansa Stark is in Game of Thrones? Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, the fact that she survived as long as she has could indicate her Mary Sue-ness. Because <laughs> people die quite frequently on that show. Um, I don't know. I, I've never read... Um, um, Game of Thrones. I, I, I never watched the show because it's violent. Um, and, um, there are things in it that would uh, make me really deeply uncomfortable. Uh, but, um, 
if she's a total badass and never loses the day and always comes up with a solution and um, is the best at everything she does. It's super awesome. Yeah, it's super awesome at everything. Swords, horses, sex. Isn't that all there is in <laughs> Games and Thrones? <laughs> if she's epic at killing people and fucking people in the Game of Thrones, then she's probably a Mary Sue. <laughs> now, Say Wolf, who apparently has watched the show says I don't think so she's had some good moments but she's but she gets kicked around all the fucking time I'm assuming that's what the stars stand for but I I, I tend to insert fuck a lot so I, I, I could have got that wrong I, I, I could be mistaken about her choice of words that got censored I don't know what else it could be all the, all the <laughs> talking time all the dicking time <laughs> all the shitting time that, but she that, is that, still that alive like, so that does you know kind of tick off the column in um, Mary Sunus. Well, from what I know, Cersei, um, um, I mean, I, I tried watching um, some of, the, like, most of the first season um, of Game of Thrones, and it just was a little triggery for me, so I couldn't. Um, oh, uh, Cersei seemed a little bit... Um, I don't think she was. She wasn't a Mary Sue either, but she uh, um, I think a little bit more so than some of the other characters in the show. Um, there is one character I can't. I'm blanking on her name. Um, who's sort of like an evil Mary Sue? That's how Cersei. No, Dannerus. Oh. I have no idea you pronounce that actually. Is Jon Snow a Mary Sue? <laughs> Didn't he survive dying? <laughs> so I was saying that Danny in Game of Thrones is a Mary Sue because every time something goes wrong for Danny, it ends be- it is better for her than she was in the first place. <laughs> yeah, that could that that kind of incredible luck could could lean towards Mary Sue. But um, a Mary Sue is just a character who is absolutely perfect, who um, um, saves the day, solves the problem, flicks her hair. Everyone loves her. Inexplicably. Because she's so (laughs) annoying. Women love her, men want to fuck her. (laughs) Everyone loves her. <laughs> Say Wolf says everyone loves her even when she's setting them on fire. Yeah, Danny could in fact be the Mary Sue of Game of Thrones if if that's true. Um, that's pretty funny. But um, yeah, I did make me go of Mary Sue. Now because I've said that, some jerk offs gonna go to my site, be reading my shit, and point it out to me. So that's what happens. Um, Imagine I, things I on the re- podcast and people people go and go oh. Oh, oh, look what I found. Mary, she's such a Mary Sue. I wish you'd made her more realistic. <laughs> so I, no, so if that. you had planned on doing that and I ruined it for you, I'm not sorry. <laughs> I 
you don't get to observe what has been plainly publicly stated. <laughs> and act like you're fucking original. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. But it really annoys me because it really ruined my writing ske- my my reading schedule because I was just trying to get a a temperature reading on the NCIS fandom and I was bombarded with all these stories about Tony being everyone's victim. Mm-hmm. Just, you know, it's not, I'm not talking about like Womp, which I don't read. Um, uh, she's just, um, he, sorry, I got touched up by the chat room. Uh, it's this, I think it, it, it does boil down to them turning him into an infant. Um, um, they're just making him um, weak, useless, um, completely incompetent, um, who needs to be rescued. Uh, just insists on being rescued. Womp is when when you take a character and just fuck them up physically. They, they go through a big trauma. It could be emotional, too. Um, but it's just, it, it is a confined event, not an ongoing situation. Yeah, some. I mean, I, I've, I've had Tony injured in a couple of stories. Um, so, but I don't. You know, it's not over and over and over and over again. Like every time he turns around, he's getting hit or shot or stabbed. Or yeah, it, it, sometimes it works out. Like we talked about Run like a show or two ago, um, where Tony is like beat to fuck the entire story, and it's awesome because mm-hmm. he's a fucking badass through it. Um, I love actually, that. I love that particular um, um, story. Actually, the biggest badass in the story is uh, Kayla. But um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I agree. But but a lot of times I won't because Tony Wump is a big thing in, in the NCIS fandom, and sometimes it's just taken to such a degree that you're just like, oh my god, stop, stop. You know, don't another broken, another bone broken, and somehow he's walking around on his broken leg, and he's got a stab wound, and he's got shot. You know, and he gets another concussion, and I mean, it's just, it just gets to the point where it's just ridiculous, bad thing after bad thing after bad thing. It's not just like an isolated event that he has to recover from, you know. Um, and what like, at some point, you think to yourself, this man will be confined to a wheelchair the rest of his life, and yet here he, he is walking around. <laughs> He'd have a complete breakdown from the trauma of everything. Um, but um, and then and the, then the, at the that one point where they could actually have him have a breakdown and cry, he doesn't. Yeah. <laughs> and but the thing is, often with those stories, the reason why I find them so unsatisfying is because he needs Gibbs to rescue him, or somebody has to rescue him, or you know, he doesn't he doesn't like you know, just he doesn't deal. You know, he needs to be saved. Um, and yeah, if you put a character in a hospital bed with a broken leg, if something goes amiss, they're probably going to need some help. And I'm, and I'm not, you know, I'm not talking about help. But there's this whole damsel in distress thing Gibbs writing to the rescue that uh, is just so unappealing. Because Tony, Canon Tony, if you're drawing your inspiration from the way he is in Canon, he does not need a whole lot of rescuing. He got himself out of the sewer. You know, he took care of the serial killer by himself. You know, Gibbs actually was a little bit late to the party on almost all of those occasions. And he's not a crier. No. He cried Did he even? 
know of. Did he tear up when Paula died, or was it when Kate died? He did. That's when he cried. No, it was when Taylor, when Paula died. He didn't tear up over Kate. Not that I recall. He was Tony was very busy taking care of other people in that episode after Kate died. Yeah. Which was just incidentally not so long after he had the plague, right? Right. It was like he came back to work, I think, two, like two weeks after he got the plague. And then he, this Kate died a couple of days later. It's really annoying. It's it's, just, it's really annoying, and it ruined my whole plan, which which I know sounds selfish, but um, I don't see. And I should have expected it. I should have expected the depth of it because it was um like that. Sorry about that bump you just heard. I, I hit my mic. Um, Blair. Yeah, it is true my plans. Blair in the Sentinel is treated like a um an immature, wimpy thirteen year old girl. Um you can almost expect it in a, a large number of stories in that particular fandom. Um but Blair was a lot more vulnerable in canon than Tony is. So it was really interesting to come into the NCIS fandom and read a whole bunch or try to read a whole bunch of um, stories and find over and over and over and over and over again that um, writers turn him into everyone's victim. And he drag asses around the entire fit, broken hearted and crying. Or... Um, having tantrums. Oh, <laughs> that's like a whole nother level right there, the tantrums. Yes, because let's be a 15-year-old. That's a little older. That's a little older. Less crying, more tantrum. It's like 15, 16 age, you know. Really, really fucking annoying. Because he's not a grown man or anything. Real live federal agent with a gun. Nope. Who's shown in canon in a remarkable amount of emotional regulation? He can he can monitor he can regulate his emotions just fine. He is not prone to uh, dramatic outbursts, no matter what the um, provocation. Because they did a lot to provoke him in canon, and he never acted out. So. Uh, it just feels so weird. It makes me wonder what they're drawing their inspiration from. It almost, it almost, um, honestly, since um, this is just my observation, um, that I saw it. Um, there are a lot of female writers in um, in um, NCIS. Uh, at least they, there's the pretense that they're feminine. They, they might, in fact, be male. Um, I doubt it. Uh, <laughs> And um, I think often the feminization of the bottom in a pairing 
is because um, the female writer is essentially inserting themselves into the role of Tony or Blair or Spencer. If you want to yell about self-insert, yell about that self-insert. <laughs> Which is ugly. Now, I'm not saying, maybe I am, um, that every writer out there who writes a wimpy, whiny, crybaby, um, Tony is actually a wimpy, whiny, crybaby in themselves. But the comparison could be made. Well, it does make you wonder. Now, there, somebody asked me recently for NCIS Rex. And uh, there are there are some really good NCIS stories out there, uh, so it's not like the um, it's just for the for how big the fandom is, which I think between the two archives it's like you know fifty sixty thousand stories. Uh, there should be more that you can unequivocally recommend than there than there are. I feel like, oh, I can't recommend this one because there's there's rape in it. I can't recommend this one because Tony cries the whole time. Yeah. I can't recommend this one because this apparently one? because apparently the entirety of NCIS needs to come together and have a Tony is wonderful party to get the point through Steve's head. <laughs> I honestly think that's a public humiliation kink. It really is. It really is. It's kind of crazy. Um, there's a lot of it. There's a lot of it. Um, but, you know, I should be able to, you know, um, just come up with, with a fandom that big, I should just be able to go, oh, here's here's a couple hundred stories that are going to rock your world. And it's just not like that. It's just not like that. And it's sad. It's sad that sometimes when I'm really sometimes when I'm really in the mood to read NCIS and I've read a couple dozen stories that I really, really like and then I have nothing to do if I want to read NCIS, but go back and read my own shit. <laughs> well honestly I think that's how fan fiction got to start anyway, right? It's because I wanted to read something like what might have been, but there was nothing like what might have been in Stargate. So I wrote what might have been. <laughs> <laughs> well, I started writing. I'm pretty sure I started writing Tony. Pardon me. Let me tag it here for you. Competent Tony. <laughs> because I was like, what the fuck? I need I need Tony to be like he is in canon, damn it. <laughs> I don't understand why um, that's even a tag. That's like when I first went to Area 52 and I was putting my links in for Stargate. And I had accidentally clicked on um, SG-1 instead of SGA. Um, or maybe I clicked on both because it was Sentinels of Illness. Anyway, it doesn't matter. But one of the warnings in it was bottom jack. That you could check it off that as a warning. I'm thinking, why the fuck do you have to warn for that? <laughs> what? I don't understand. I because that's actually so one of the actual warnings you can put in. You can check off. This is not a write-in. This is actually part of their selection. So what happened in the fucking SG-1 fandom that made um, 
<laughs> that morning. And I an option, an option. It shouldn't even be an option to ta- to to warn for who's on the bottom. I mean, that I see if you were like promoting what the, the story. Everyone. What the fuck? But I mean, there are times when I do write one character exclusively on the bottom. Um, but you know, I say I don't, I don't, don't disclose that. You're just going to take a risk. <laughs> Suck it up, bitch. Just tell them what's you happening. Just better, you better just assume that everybody's taking it up the ass on my site. <laughs> then that one person won't be. Now, actually, when I wrote um, Catalyst, uh, which is when Patrick and um, was that Catalyst or is it the one afterwards? In, in the Sentinels of Atlantis, when Jack and Patrick Shepard um, bond, um, Jack's the Sentinel, and I put him on top of that particular mm-hmm. pairing in that situation. And someone actually sent me an email and asked me to warn her um, if during the series um, Jack goes on bottom because she can't read that. Ew, what the hell? Um, the I told her to go fuck herself. And see, I typically, most of my stories, especially Sentinel stories, because I typically, I write Tony's a guide more than I write him as a Sentinel, although I can see him in either role. It's just sometimes I can't see the other person in either role, which sort of puts Tony in, in, in guide by default. So um, in my head canon, the Sentinel typically does the penetrating during bonding. My head Mine canon too. is a male-male pairing. My own male pairing. So most of the times in these short Sentinel stories, I only have time for one sex scene, which means Tony's going to be on the bottom if he's the guide. If he's the Sentinel, he's going to be on the top. That's just the way it goes in my head canon. Um, Mine's the same way, and I think it boils down to senses and how I Mm -hmm. think that, um, honestly, um, being penetrated during a bonding experience for a Sentinel could be overwhelming and Mm -hmm. could make bonding um, more difficult. That's just my... um, perspective as a woman um, as far as penetration goes, especially anal penetration, um, which is very um, intense. So the, I think that it's just when it comes to um, two men in a sentinel guide situation where there's sex bonding, um, that anal sex just could be too intense for the sentinel. Mm-hmm. And so because that's my headcanon about it, and it has nothing to do with equality of the relationship or anything like that, um, if I'm in a story where I have time for one sex scene, um, you're going to think that I always write Tony on the bottom. But it's actually my headcanon is that um, with, I think, only one story did I ever write that he was exclusively the bottom in the relationship. Um, and it was because his, his partner didn't like being penetrated. Uh, but other than that, you know, I always assume there's going to be some degree of swapping. Um, so I have had people... I've had somebody write me who said they really appreciated that I always write Tony as the bottom. And, you know, I couldn't even reply to that. I just fucking deleted it because I found it so offensive. Jeep says the first time Chase and Matt have sex in Sentinels of Atlantis, you have Chase on the bottom. Um, They're not bonding. Matt at that point is um, maybe a latent guide. There's no bonding at all. Um, And a bonding experience is a great deal of difference than just fucking. 
At least in my head, in, in my head canon. Valerie says, I hate it when people change sex as a canon character specifically so they can ship them without it being slashed. It is terribly offensive. Um, I used to have a very hardcore um, no position on that. And if you browse through my live journal, you, you will see that where I talked about it. Um, but I have, um, I've, I've been playing with um, a female Bilbo in um in my hobbit fic because there are no girls in the hobbit and it pisses me off and it's not so that i can um pair thorin and bilbo together um because i would have no problems doing them together if they were two men or two women or a man and a woman or um i almost said a man and a centaur but that would be be too far that'd be too far but it's not about um for me it isn't about slash obviously because i have no problems writing butt fucking yeah, it's totally about the offensive sausage fest that was the Hobbit. Um, and yeah, and it just really pissed me off that there were no, there are no women in the in the book. There are women in the um in the trilogy movie, but in the book, there's one woman mentioned in passing, and um I think Gladriel might, might come up or she might have a scene. I'm not sure. I've read the Hobbit a very very long time ago, but it really takes me off that it was all these men. So I made Bilbo a girl, and I have no regrets. There you go. There is one gender swap I read um, by a slash writer. She she did not switch Rodney's um, gender to avoid writing slash. She switched the gender to write Rodney as a woman, um, as Meredith. And um, uh, she hooks up with John. And um, I find the character of Meredith to be absolutely stunning. Hmm. Um, It's called the Lallyverse, or the Lollyverse, the Lallyverse, and Meredith works at Area 51, and John comes onto the base as security, and um, he's, um, (laughs) he's got a big dick, which I really enjoy. I I like that kind of thing. I ain't gonna lie. Um, what, what's really interesting is in this particular story, John is bi. And um, John um, and Meredith hook up, they get married, and at some point she buys a strap-on. And he got upset with her because she thought he thought that she was thinking that she would have to supply him with this kind of activity so that he wouldn't cheat on her. But really she just wanted to peg him. <laughs> And she did, and it was super hot. <laughs> it's called the Lallyverse, and let me see if I can't find I'll it. Have to, I'm gonna have to find that. But I usually, I just, for the most part, I just, I admit that, with a couple of exceptions, I read gender swaps, and I just assume that there's some, you know, homophobia involved in why that choice was made. It's probably a wrong, you know, it's probably a bad assumption, and it's probably not fair. But I do believe that more often than not, that homophobia is the um, source of the gender swap, and I just typically stay away from it. Um, but for those of you who are reading my leverage fic, um, I mean, it probably won't come up in the story, but that is part of my background um, for Tony in the, relation, in the story, is he had a past relationship with Emily Prentice, and she totally pegged the fuck out of him on several occasions. <laughs> Just 
you know, I was, I don't remember what I was reading. Um, I was reading something because it was related to pegging. Um, and um, it was the Lally version by Lady Cat 777. She wrote a lot of slash, so she's not doing it out of um, homophobia. And I agree that that, that is a problem a lot. I mean, it's. It's not Ugly. Laden put in their author notes. Laden put in their author notes that um, that they see chemistry between the characters. They just can't write Slash, and so they're changing one of the characters to a girl. And it's like, what the hell? Then don't write Slash. Don't write these characters if you can't see them together the way they are. Whatever. Um, but I read a, a story of the day, and I, I actually kind of I didn't know if I was being narrow minded, but it was an, it was a Slash story. It's two male characters, and one of the character ha- the character doing the fucking had an erection. Apparently a normal size direction, <laughs> and put on um, uh, a strap on and pegged his partner. A little mystified. I don't. I don't get that. <laughs> if you got a dick, he's got a perfectly Use good it. dick. Use it. And, and it, there was no, you know, it wasn't like there was a case of impotence that was requiring this or anything like that, which would have been a sort of a different exploration of somebody who's having erectile dysfunction, which is, I admit, not something typically I would search for in a story, but that wasn't the case. And I was like, am I being narrow-minded? But it so threw me out of the, you know, of the story that I <laughs> could recover from it and finish it. So it was just like, what? What? I don't get it. Okay, I found the Lallyverse on AO3, but it's called Married now. That's the series name, Married, and it's by Lady Cat. And I'm gonna put a link up in the um, uh, sweet. I, mean, I really that's it's, it's the first gender swap I ever read where Rodney was always a girl, um, Meredith, and um, I really I love um her strength and her and her vulnerability and um the fact that John is just he's intense about her and it's not like um possessional it's um I don't know he just it's just it's really good I I highly recommend it I really enjoyed it, and um, uh, it's just, um, it's really great. It's one of the first gender swaps I ever read, and um, one of the few, uh, you know, obviously, um, Lady Cat is a slash writer, so I wasn't worried going into it that she wrote this because um, she's homophobic, because she absolutely is not. Uh, it's just, um, it's very good, though. I'll have to definitely look that one up. Um, the other thing, the Sunday, the other thing that I won't read, um, I don't read a lot of hat. I have no shame about that. It's not my typical preference, but I do read it sometimes, particularly if it's an author I like who's written a hat story or just because the pairing sounds intriguing. Um, but if somebody tags their hat story no slash, instantly I'm not reading it. it. Because there's no purpose in that other to me other than to, um, look, you know, advertise with the homophobes. And if you're pandering to homophobes, I'm just not going to. Either you're homophobic or you're pandering to them. So um, It's just ugly. Don't do it. Now, if that isn't your, if you do that and that isn't your intention, that's what it looks like. So stop it. For real. All right, go into your old thing and edit all that shit out. Just do it. 
really, it's really annoying. But the only thing worse than that for me is that will make me nope out of a fix so quick. This happens especially a lot on fanfiction.net, which I do go to when I'm in a terrible mood, which means I'll probably go there tonight. Um, <clears throat> if I go into a fic and I'm reading it, even if the story is complete, because it was written years ago, and at the very bottom of the, the chapter it says, um, I'll post the next chapter after I get 30 comments. Yeah, no. Nope out, no. No, I don't care if you finished it a decade ago. I'm not reading your shit. Fuck you. <laughs> I'm mad on behalf of your readers 10 years ago. And I'm not reading your fic today. It's so damn annoying. Cajoling for feedback is bad enough, but when you you blackmail with it and you hold your fic hostage for feedback, that's just ugly behavior. Well, somebody says that all you have to do is post the pairing because I'm not going to be second slash in the Harry Hermione story. Um, Unless I wrote it. <laughs> yeah, actually, I don't. I, I don't. I don't read a heterosexual fic expecting all expecting universal heterosexuality. I, uh, uh, no, just like I don't, um, you know, write a, a gay fic and have it be universally homosexual. I just. I didn't want it because it was really amusing. <laughs> well. Everybody's gay because it's funny. That makes me laugh. But that's deliberate. It's just not. Um, uh, I don't know. If I ever wrote a hat carrying and the reader came to my story assuming that uh, there wasn't going to be any slash because I didn't say there was going to be slash, you know, get the fuck off my site. Because I promise you, someone is going to be getting it. From another guy. Some guy's gonna get another guy in that story somewhere. <laughs> this is a surprise, a surprise butt sex. Yeah, you should always expect buck sex in my even in my head fic. I actually had a reader email me who's really upset about the anal sex in um blank space. Um and I was like, You wanted me to warn for anal sex in a head story? Are you fucking serious? But you would ask me to warn for anal sex in any kind of story is mind-boggling. Um, so I responded, fuck you, that was hot. <laughs> <laughs> it was hot. I think that's probably the hottest het sex I've ever written. <laughs> I'm just saying. If you've not read Blank Space because you don't read het, you need to make an exception because that sex scene was smoking. <laughs> yeah. Sex is about um, the rating, not the warning. People warn for male male or they warn for slash or they warn for anal sex or they warn for head sex. I've seen some slash writers warn that they're putting head sex in the story. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. Don't do that. You don't need to warn for sex. You can say in the rating, rated R for sexual content. You know, it, sex is about the rating of your story. It's not about, frankly, what could be off-putting about it. When you warn for slash the way you would warn for rape or pedophilia, you are equating homosexual sex with rape and pedophilia. And the same is true with and heterosexual. <laughs> 
Yeah, I mean, when you when you I, put that in the warning, you're you're equating it with bad, terrible, no good things. Right, and I I um, do warn um, for some edgy kinks if I put them in a story, um, but and that you know, makes sense. Things, yeah, because you just don't want people to go, oh my god, did somebody just really? Actually, I would never write this, but it is an extreme example, an extreme kink. Um, you know, did that person really put a gun in somebody's ass? I, so I would always warn for gun kink because it's really extreme. But um, actually, I just can I can assure you all, I, I would, would never write gun kink. But um, that is something that is a good thing to warn people because it can really just be a really unpleasant jolt. Some of the edgier kinks. So yeah, I could see that using that as a warning. And no, it's not equivalent to rape, but you know, it's sort of a that's more of a courtesy thing to your readers. But warnings that two men are going to be in your story when you have that's just don't do it. <laughs> no, just don't. <laughs> Normally, we tell you that you can do whatever you want to do, but you know, I'm just making it a rule. Stop it. It's because it's it's terrible. It's it's terrible to equate um normal healthy sex with dangerous and offensive death. Things. Yes, death, death rape, pedophilia, and danger and violence. It's just Come on. And no, I'm never warning for bottom jack. <laughs> it's never fucking happening. I think if I ever have Jack in a in our story um, ever uh, ever again as a as a character having an on screen sex scene, he's going to have to bottom at least once. I am writing a Gibbs Tony fic. Um, I got an excerpt up on um, NCIS, which has kind of changed a little bit. Not NCIS on my uh, on on EAD. I've got an excerpt up on EAD. Um, and I fully intend to make Gibbs the bottom. In that story. Sweet. <laughs> I actually really love it when Gibbs bottoms. I just, uh, you know, <laughs> it's it's character growth for him. He needs to let go and not be in control all the time. I'm looking forward to it. I'm not gonna write it right now. Anyway, we're down to 56 seconds. Um, you you guys have a awesome and safe weekend. If you're in the U.S. Happy 4th of July. If you're in Canada, happy Canada Day. It's already passed. Sorry. My bad. It's today. Maybe. Well, well it's Friday, but well, it's still today the, for me. So. The time? Okay, yes, yeah, so probably for Canada to do. Happy Canada Day. <laughs> <laughs> and for everybody else out there who did not fight for their independence from Britain, congratulations. And <laughs> have a good weekend. And, um... Go over to Rough Trade and read. Everybody's posting it. It's awesome over there. So say good night, Jilly. Good night.